Chapter 12 of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter 12 Comets. And now a digression is once more necessary, for some branches of astronomy remain to be reviewed before we pass on to more modern times than the first half of the nineteenth century we have seen how halley was led to presume the identity of the comet of 1682 with that observed by kepler in 1607 and appian in 1531 and to predict its return in 1758 and 9 thereby bringing comets into their fit place as eccentric members of the solar system stripping them of the long-sustained character of portents and affording new evidence of the triumph of law after this success the possibility of an elliptic orbit in which a comet might return was kept in view and any failure of parabolic elements to fit observations was regarded hopefully as a sign of periodicity the first comet of really short period however was not detected until long afterwards olbers whose name has already occurred as scientific sponsor to bessel was a physician at bremen and devoted most of his scanty leisure to cometary astronomy an important simplification known as olbers method by which an approximate orbit could be obtained was a happy thought that occurred to him during his student days and not only became on publication the usual method employed for such approximations but also had the effect of directing his energies in the particular direction indicated for many years he was the sympathetic adviser of contemporary workers and his chief contributions to the list of discoveries include a periodic comet discovered in 1815, which returned in 1887, two minor planets, Pallas and Vesta, and, greatest of all, Bessel, whom Olbers himself considered as his crowning glory. Other workers in the field were many. We have seen how Caroline Herschel discovered no fewer than eight comets, being set to sweep the sky in horizontal bands for this purpose, in the intervals of her arduous labors as assistant to her brother far more prolific was pons of marseilles whose discoveries some thirty odd in number include an inconspicuous object seen in eighteen eighteen the observations of which were taken in hand by enke with the unexpected but gratifying result that its period came out at three and a half years which is still the shortest period known for a comet and its identity was established with comets observed in seventeen eighty six in seventeen ninety five by caroline herschel and in 1805 by Pons himself. Anke predicted its next perihelion return for 1822, May 24th, and it was discovered close to the predicted place at Paramata, being invisible in the northern hemisphere. The value of such a comet to astronomy is great, for it enables further light to be shed on the other members of the system. Anke's comet, as it was called, at perihelion, is within the orbit of Mercury, and the perturbation due to that planet enabled its mass to be for the first time computed the absence of a satellite having previously discouraged any such attempt the other end of its orbital oval is near that of jupiter so that it belongs to what is now known as the jupiter family of planetary comets others have been found belonging to saturn and the masses of these great planets especially jupiter are corrected by observations similar to that referred to in the case of mercury this comet also confirmed a fact stated by hevelius 
that comets contract on approaching the sun, the contraction at the 1838 return being in the ratio of 800,000 to 1, rendering any doubt as to the actuality of the phenomenon impossible. The physical cause is, however, even now an unsolved problem. Yet another problem was raised by the behavior of this celebrated comet, for after making due allowance for all planetary perturbations, the fact remained that its returns took place too soon. Olbers and Anka assumed the cause to be a resisting medium of extreme rarity, whose effect would be slightly to diminish the centrifugal force, and so to lessen the distance from the sun, thus, of course, increasing the velocity, just as shortening the pendulum accelerates the rate of a clock. The existence of such a medium would involve, in course of time, the successive destruction of the planets and comets by gradually drawing them into the sun, but no other member of the system has been proved to show a similar effect. Anka, indeed, only assumed the medium to exist close to the sun, or rather to increase rapidly in density towards the sun, so as to have no effect so far away as Mercury. Anka's comet, though fluctuating in brightness, does not yet show any great change, but its acceleration is no longer so great. The next periodic comet to be identified was discovered in 1826 by Biela and identified with comets seen in 1772 and 1805, with a period of between six and seven years. It was remarkable in other ways, first for the scare caused by Olber's announcement that it would pass through the Earth's orbit on 1832, October 29. It only reached that point, however, a month after the Earth had passed it, so that the danger was not only very slight, as evidenced by the observation of Sir John Herschel of very faint stars through the substance of the comet without loss of light, but also remote, as the nearest approach to the Earth was more than 50 million miles away. Its next remarkable feature was noted at the return of 1845 through 6, when it divided into two portions which pursued their way independently. It was just seen, the two components much further apart, at the next return in 1852, but never afterwards, at least not in the form of a comet. There seems no doubt that all periodic comets have become so in consequence of their capture by planets, whose influence would tend to draw into the system a comet coming within reach and traveling in the same direction round the sun as the planets, and expelling those whose motion was in the opposite direction. All known periodic comets do, in fact, follow the direction of the planets, that of Halley being associated with Neptune and others with Uranus, Saturn, or most of all with Jupiter. Halley's comet appeared again in 1835, and having been predicted, was discovered early and followed for more than nine months. Of all the planetary comets, this is the only one that comes near being called a great comet. In fact, it may fairly be reckoned as a sort of connecting link between the probably dying comets of short period and the great comets met with at long intervals in history, whose orbits are of vast extent and their substance brighter or of higher reflecting power so that they are easily visible without a telescope and develop enormous tails. Halley's Comet, as we have seen, was observed generally in 1835, 1758, and 1682, by Kepler and Harriet in 1607, and by Peter Appian, a diligent cometary observer, in 1531. There is no doubt that it was observed in 1456, in 1378, and probably in 1301 and 1223, 
and almost certainly in 1145. Bright comets, strongly presumed to have been different returns of the same object, have been traced principally from Chinese annals as far back as B.C. 11. A little latitude in the interpretation of the Chinese observations and a slight change in the elements from time to time are all that is requisite to provide a complete set of 25 appearances of this comet, most of which were observed before the invention of the telescope. The next return is expected in 1910. If, as some allege, the comets of 1264 and 1556, and possibly also of 975, were identical, another return should have taken place within a few years of 1848, but neither of the great comets of the 19th century was certainly identified with that of 1556, though there were great comets in 1843 and 1858. Most of the great historic comets, however, have been considered as unique appearances. Some have been visible close to the sun, some have had tails more than 90 degrees in length, so that they appear to stretch more than halfway across the sky. A few special ones must be noted besides those referred to as probably observed at more than one perihelion passage. In B.C. 134, at the birth of Mithridates the Great, a comet said to rival the brightness of the sun was visible for ten weeks, its tail covering a fourth part of the sky and occupying four hours in rising. In A.D. 582 appeared a comet with a dark surrounding envelope, its appearance being likened to the smoke of a distant conflagration. In 615 is the first mention from Chinese annals of a comet that wagged its tail. A very bright comet appeared in the spring of 1402, and another some weeks later, both of them said to have been visible in the daytime. Another, also visible in daylight, was observed in 1472 by Regio Montanus, from whose observations Halley computed an orbit showing that it passed not much more than three million miles from the Earth. Another celebrated comet in 1618 had a tail more than 100 degrees in extent, according to one observer. Moreover, the tail wagged, or in the words of the observer, it was attended come by ratione enormi. The great comet of 1680, with a tail like a scimitar, was observed by Newton and Halley, and computed to have passed so close to the sun as almost to have grazed the surface. Halley tried to identify this with those of 1106, 531, and B.C. 43, since a period of 575 years would approximately fit them. But the observations themselves give possible periods varying from 805 years upwards, and Enke considered the probable period 8,800 years while the observations of Newton and Flamsteed gave 3,164 years, and the orbit may even have been hyperbolic, so that practically it is quite unknown. Coming to the later years of the period under consideration, we find two famous comets of the first half of the 19th century. The first was the Great Comet of 1811, which besides being very bright, was for a long time circumpolar, so that it was visible for many months. Argelander computed its period to be greater than 3,000 years, so that its greatest distance from the sun worked out to be more than 40 billion miles. Brighter still was the second great comet of the century, seen in 1843, at several southern stations in daylight. It had a long, wagging tail, and in England, before news of its discovery arrived, people were puzzled by the appearance of some 30-odd degrees of tail after sunset the head, which would at once have explained the phenomenon, having already set. 
This comet has been computed to pass within 100,000 miles of the surface of the Sun, so that its perihelion distance is the smallest known, not even excepting that of the comet of 1680. The most important result of the appearance of this comet was the foundation of Harvard College Observatory. End of chapter 12